We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm Adam McGee. And I am Andrew Snyder. And you're listening to Captured Celluloid on Make Time for This, proudly a part of the Eurostep Podcast Network and the Blue Wire Podcast family. You can probably hear the enthusiasm in Andrew's voice. We're gonna talk about we're not we're not gonna talk about Marvel in a a way that we did try once, and maybe in a sign from the universe. Technical problems meant the episode was lost. But we are going to talk about the state of Marvel, the state of superhero movies. And I guess really where we're coming from is more broadly the state of mainstream film, um, theatrical movie going worldwide, which is something I care very deeply about. Andrew certainly cares about too. And we're going to unpack some of the developments there. And I think some of the interesting things that have started to become clear over i feel like the past year but some things have started to crystallize for me i mentioned on the end of last week's episode and even since then the universe as if to give us a gift for this podcast has followed up and kind of given some cold hard stats numbers i know people love numbers andrew the universe has given them to us and we are going to get into it so how are you doing are you excited for this last time we spoke you were like, what else are we going to talk about? That can't be a whole episode. I'm here with the, you know, expressed goal of proving you wrong. Um, I believe you. I believe you. You know, I'm well. I, uh, I had forgotten we had had that conversation at the end of the last podcast. So, you know, I watched The Woman King and Stars at Noon today, and I was all set to do a podcast on those two films. And then we got on the Zoom here, and Adam was like, all right, we're talking about Marvel and the state of movies. And I was like, damn it, I got to start listening to my podcasts. Otherwise, you know, I miss things. But uh, all jokes aside, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to unpack uh, some of my psychology and film going and just film viewing in general habits and maybe... uh, 
I'm a person who was not all that representative of uh, the wider movie going public, but maybe in terms of Marvel movies and comic book movies specifically, maybe I'm starting to be more in that group of people that are just a little bit exhausted by it all. I do think you're representative of something increasingly, and we'll we'll work our way through that as we as we go on. Uh, I guess the spark for this is like ten days ago now. I went to see, like I'm sure a lot of people did, although not as many as they used to. Andrew, Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania, um, the latest MCU film, the third Ant Man film. Have you seen any of the Ant Man films? Uh, I think I saw the first one, maybe. Okay, but maybe not. I don't know. I've Paul always Rudd. liked. I've always liked these films. Um, I like Paul Rudd. I think he was a very good fit for some of the more universally appealing elements of Marvel as kind of the dominant tentpole blockbuster. And they generally haven't had to carry too much the heavy lifting in the Ant-Man films. Um, in part because the character is not one that the studio is going to stake so much of their future on in a we've got something that's really kind of fundamental to getting people to show up for films. Frankly, like Ant-Man, let's put it with a with a hero with the name value of Ant-Man. Having said that, I think a lot of these films have been pretty good. And some of my favorites in the MCU, I will be transparent up front. I am not the biggest fan of the MCU, um, but I am an active, avid consumer of culture, of movies. So even to this point, I'm still watching all the movies. I'm still checking out pretty much all of the TV series. Uh, I think I, I think what if is that what the animated one's called? I think that's the only one I haven't seen, and I don't necessarily love doing that, but it has felt like something all along where it's you know this is relevant because it's shaping, honestly, the wider kind of look of what I'm really interested in and really passionate about in movies, and it's for better and I think quite often for worse it has led studios down a certain path it has redefined what kind of movies get made and released and maybe the people has had a greater influence over than any other is theaters um and whatever way you want to kind of look at the the relationship between distributors and exhibitors they've often kind of concluded this is the only show in town um, they have block booked. If you've got a massive multiplex with, I don't know, 20 plus screens, you could probably give way to eight to 10 of these and just constant screenings. Eight to 10 is probably actually being slightly conservative on that estimate too. And when a new Marvel movie comes out and it becomes the only show in town and that has its benefits for Marvel and that certainly helps to further fuel its position as one of the dominant pieces of pop culture, I think generally, not just movie culture. But it also, as many astute observers have spoken about over the years, it created this problem, which was going to be, if there's ever even a bump on the road, uh, 
let alone people full on losing interest in this. What happens to theaters? What happens to movies in the classical sense? Because this kind of filmmaking has long since squeezed out independent films. And I think your average person does not see, hear, or know what they are unless they garner awards consideration. And even then, if they check them out, that often doesn't go well because they're just not exposed to a wide range of kind of varied films anymore. Um, But beyond that, it's squeezed out the studio drama and mid-budget films over a long period of time. And honestly, just blockbusters that were non-IP driven, any kind of original um big budget sprawling exciting blockbuster I think so much so that there are things that are franchises that feel less like franchises just because we haven't seen 35 of them before I think that's honestly a progression and over the last year it doesn't take too much effort to um, draw to mind a couple of examples of movies that have landed really big around the world that they did so in part because I think they gave people some of the experience that something like Endgame was at that time. But maybe that, let's see, Eternals or Shang-Chi is not doing for people right now. Um, The headline coming into this is that I'm out of the Wasp Quantumania. It kicks off phase five of the MCU in terms of the big screen. Anyway, I'm trying to think if maybe some of the shows have technically been phase five leading into this, but this is the launching point for really the next kind of big go round with Marvel. We've seen some of the breadcrumbs laid before that and the likes of Loki, which introduced Kang, the conqueror played by Jonathan majors who emerges as the, the main villain in Ant-Man and the Wasp quantum mania. But, Coming off the back of its second weekend of release, Ant-Man the Wasp Quantumania has grossed $167 million domestically. Most importantly of all, or I guess most strikingly, most likely to cause concern within Marvel Towers, is the absolutely catastrophic collapse in its box office takings from its opening weekend to its second weekend which is often the real measure of, okay, does this thing have legs? Is it connecting with people? Like, what what level of hit are we talking about? When a movie comes out, it's not a surprise that you have people show up on opening day, but when reviews have been out, when word of mouth is spreading, when the thing could be kind of past that original wave of the most enthusiastic moviegoers, are more people coming along to see it? Are the people who saw it already going back to see it? So it's always a key indicator. Uh, from opening weekend to second weekend, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania fell 69%, um, which really is not the kind of territory that Marvel has been dealing with at all. Even with some of its movies that took more modest opening weekends, they would hold a little bit better than what we're seeing here. And add to that, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania was pretty much panned critically I 
think some of the worst reviews Marvel have got. That's, I guess, its own thing that I could unpack in a variety of different ways. I think it's really valid at this point to question, not is this the end for Marvel? The, the end for Marvel is never coming. <laughs> like, this is just something that's going to be around forever, that people are going to go and see on an ongoing basis for as long as time. And honestly, there's plenty of room for that, and that's fine, and I think that is good for movie going as in that's good for theaters to have something that is kind of reliable um but you only have to look at the phase four movies with the exception of spider-man no way home the only one of them to cross the billion dollar mark worldwide and come just short of two billion dollars the films are not connecting in the same way and it's obvious because you don't have Captain America and you don't have Iron Man uh, I'm trying to think I don't think Hulk has been in a movie in Phase 4 Hulk did appear in She-Hulk um, on Disney Plus but that's not really doing as much for your your bottom line if you're Disney so the way I'm starting to look at this is I think it's dominant era is over at least for now and if you're to get back there it's going to take a larger overhaul that with how their storytelling works to this point, they're not rebooting characters really within the space. So we haven't had, for example, a new Iron Man movie. Captain America is maybe the exception, but that's with a character that we have a true line from the Captain America stuff. I feel like they're going to need some of those characters back or they really need to work out how to get X-Men into this now that that option is open to them um, due to the larger acquisitions of Disney and Fox. But what this thing once was does not seem to be what it is now. To put this to you, I first, I mean, uh, your general thoughts on that as as my hypothesis, but I do think it's also just kind of what's out there in front of us right now. But also, secondly, you are not a person who was ever fully invested in this. This is just not what you're into. Uh, you don't see as much as someone like me, so you're certainly not wasting time on stuff where you're just like, yeah, I'm, I'm not remotely interested in that. Does it still feel, though, slightly more peripheral, like post-Endgame? I think Far From Home and No Way Home being the obvious exceptions, but that's with Spider-Man being Spider-Man. Like, from your vantage point, as something more of, as you describe yourself, a Joe Popcorn, um, does it feel like Marvel is slightly less dominant than it once was? For me, Spider-Man definitely felt like a shift or a moment in time in terms of what Marvel was and what it's turning into. And I will say I'm a little surprised that that happened because I have friends and see people that like Marvel just becomes such an important part of their lives and what they talk about and what they look forward to. Um, and obviously that's still the case with a lot of people. But this latest phase, it's really felt like even you're inundated with advertising, you're inundated with trailers whatever it may be there's buzz online about whatever's next at least in some sense when you're talking about a marvel film but 
that being said, even I was as I was missing them, and then seeing kind of the Discord discourse, excuse me, afterward, um, and then seeing how quickly some of the conversations about this phase faded away, I think has given me the indication that this is not what they once were. And I'll say it for me, even though I was not really invested from the beginning and ended up doing some catching up to be ready for Endgame and Spider-Man, even as I wasn't watching them, there's just a degree of exhaustion with just how much they're churning out uh, like on a yearly you did, basis. You did enjoy part of that process a little bit more. Maybe it was because I think your expectations couldn't have been any lower. But I, I do remember you enjoying that a little bit more than you expected. Yeah, and then, but I think that plays into how I'm feeling now, though, because I'm like, all right, you know, I I did it. I climb I climbed Mount Everest. I'm there. I'm caught up, and you know what? I had a good time. And then it's like, okay, there's just all this more shit you have to watch now to be up to date about what's coming next. But is any of that going to be as worth it as what you just came through? And it just feels like no. It feels like box checking uh, on all of these and just continued world building i mean did 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 anyone want another thor i thought ragnarok was very very good enjoyed it a lot and i mean it felt like the peak of that particular character i mean i would say the same for i mean i'm not looking forward to the next guardians of the galaxy by any means i mean it's at a certain thing i think you can't have too much of a good thing or too much of a thing and the too much of it all turns it into a a bad thing or a mediocre thing and there's always going to be the market for that but i guess the question is what does that do to their budgets if this interest continues to wane and if just you're not like like you said ant-man and i i guess they kind of poke some fun at things like that as well ant-man's not going to be a spider-man or a captain america because or not yeah, iron man even because it's not as iconic as as those brands we'll call it for lack of a better word and so is it is it the iconic brands running out is it the exhaustion that, you know, we, we've seen this story before? It's just wrapped in different packaging. I don't know. But uh, for me, it's just like they're, they're going to keep coming and they won't stop coming. Uh, Smash Mouth All-Star. Um, <laughs> you're, you're welcome, ladies and gentlemen, for that. And I I just don't have the appetite. I'd rather go watch uh, Banshees of a Shearer after done in my local theater but if you're telling me part of this conversation is andrew you need to go to marvel movies so cinema doesn't die no i'll get my I, ass in gear i'm not saying that but i i do think the demise of multiplexes and with that the ability for people to see a wide range of movies and for normal people to go and see movies like i i do think that would be endangered if marvel really hits a prolonged spell where it doesn't take in the kind of massive box office it has or even you know what the rough spell for marvel is it's them stretching out their release schedule significantly so it's theaters having two marvel movies a year as opposed to five like that's a problem when they're banking on that money and it's a problem when studios pivoted away from a certain kind of movie because this is this is what makes money if all of a sudden that stops it's theaters that will bear the brunt of that in the way that will shape the industry more than anything. Um, we know a lot of these mega corporations, they certainly can take hits and we've seen the effects of that. For example, with a lot of the stuff that has happened around Warner brothers and HBO with their various um, 
corporate mergers in recent years and sales as well. But I, I do like I have some vague concern for this, which is completely unrelated to meaningful investment or enjoyment coming from these movies. Because I think the ecosystem has been so failed by the studios like it's it's not healthy at all that these things are really more important than they should be in propping it all up and the prospect of even a full circle i think needs a gradual easing off and diversification again as opposed to just oh god like marvel movies only make 250 million dollars domestically and they're 40 percent as frequent or even less than they used to be I, I think that kind of stuff is a problem. One thing you said that I'm really interested in touching on, because this, this got to... I, I saw the latest Ant-Man film with a buddy who does not watch all of this stuff. Um, He probably goes and sees close to all the Marvel movies Um, with me, most likely. But wouldn't necessarily, or I don't even say, need to say necessarily, he does not watch the TV series. He does not, he's not firing up Disney Plus to watch any of that. So you talked about the idea of, okay, catching up, feeling like you're up to date, and then immediately there's being overwhelmed by, well, there's all of this other stuff. I'm just curious. I know you're lacking some context to really pin this down. What do you think the obligations for you as a viewer would be if you wanted to be really into MCU movies right now? What is your impression as just a normal person from the outside who doesn't really watch them, but you're aware of what comes and goes as to what you need to watch to be able to get these films, to be able to get the the maximum entertainment enjoyment from this whole project? Um, I mean... Maximum enjoyment. Oh God! No, we're we're assuming you're you're very open hearted and interested in this whole thing, and you're like, I want to do this. So, so what do you think you have to do? Well, I think I would have to watch everything because something can pop up somewhere anytime, and it can be like referencing something that, from what I understand, tell me, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I, I also don't care, so don't tweet me. Uh, <laughs> like, like, in, there can be a movie, that 10 mid-credit scenes, and Roy Kent pops up halfway through, and I have to know what, that, what the fuck that means in, like, five different movies or whatever. Like, all of that kind of shit, and just, like, oh, there was this one scene with Vision in wandavision and that informs something in this movie five movies later and i don't i just i I miss i miss that scene now i don't know what this is like things like that is what would give me pause about wondering if i could ever have any maximum enjoyment because like joe popcorn not marvel super fan not adam mcgee if it's a movie i'm gonna see it including eddie for brady um the people Mm, that aren't (laughs) not not sure on that not sure Uh, on that one I hope it's still in theaters when we're in uh, Milwaukee. We'll make it happen. Um, like the the people in the middle of that, or at the bottom of that Venn diagram. I don't know. Uh, the people that aren't either a Marvel super fans or completionists in terms of this as an art form as much as possible. I think it could be just a little overwhelming in that you miss something. But a lot of people probably don't care. And I'm approaching it from a place where I'm like, oh, if I'm 
if I'm watching something, I need to be fully invested in it. But also, to like, why why do I need to feel that way? Why can't I just go to this Ant Man movie having not seen anything since Spider Man and just take it for what it is? I mean, I, I feel like that's a possibility. It's something that maybe just I can't engage with that type of uh, movie going. Like, I'm not gonna. I'm trying to think of an example. Like, I'm not gonna go see the Souvenir Part Two without having seen the Souvenir. So, why I'm taking that approach to you like do Marvel? That, when... you, you could do that. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I really like the first you, one, but uh, so do I. You, you'd absolutely your experience of the second film may not be as rich, but you could enjoy it as its own thing. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Uh, so this is something that that I jarred with me when I'm on is... I had the reverse of the moment that you're afraid of and that I think a lot of just normal people are afraid of where I'm watching their other stuff even when I'm not enjoying it all that much. So, for example, Loki, a show that a lot of people really, really loved and has held up as one of the better things in recent Marvel history, if not the entirety of Marvel, I was not crazy about. Um... Loki, though, it was flagged up very clearly. I think if you are remotely online and you read anything about culture, the significance of Loki laid on when Jonathan Majors appeared and gave a really great speech. We'll maybe talk a little bit about Jonathan Majors in Ant-Man in, in a little bit. Um, Gave a really great speech that essentially launched him as the linchpin for 
what the big arc of Marvel storytelling was. And I think a lot of people have probably pretty smartly identified that some of the problems with these recent films is they're missing a Thanos figure. Like they're they're missing they're missing a villain that people can latch on to, whether that is a really strong singular villain um within the worlds of the films themselves or this kind of overarching figure. So I watched Loki and I was introduced, although I'm trying to think if it was by name, possibly not, to this character who everyone and I'm it's not like I'm like crunching Reddit threads or reading here's what you need to know about, you know, Jonathan Major's character speech in Loki episode, whatever. It's just, it's so widely out there that it's pretty pervasive and I've picked up on bits and pieces of it. So I went into this and I'm like, okay, Jonathan Major's in this movie. He's kind of the big bad. This is this is Kang the Conqueror. This is his moment. First film of phase five, they're launching this thing like full on with Ant-Man and the Wasp. And I'm not joking when I said the movie probably spends an hour and 20 minutes He's likely even on screen. And the characters are all speaking of him in this mythical way without actively addressing who he is. In a way that, like, if this was a standalone film and you're introducing a villain, it makes complete sense. But I'm like, I watched the series on TV to know who this guy is. Like, I actually, I did the homework that you're putting out there for people. And then I'm 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 sitting through this, and you're treating me like, like what, what, so. Who is this for? Is this not for people who are watching that? Like, and that honestly pissed me off more than anything, because I am not here to get lost in the lore that comes from the TV and the movies. But I I just the one thing that Kevin Feige was always praised for, and even when it wasn't to my taste, I couldn't dispute is he had a pretty tight grip on what he was doing here, and was treading a line very very well treading a line towing a line treading water um whatever whatever analogy we want to go with there rather than mixing metaphors in a way that the widest possible audience for these things was coming in and enjoying it i think there's a certain kind of marvel fan who you could give them anything that is marvel and they will not care they will be happy they will lap it up this is their dream that Marvel is everywhere all the time. I'm not that. I'm not even really a comicsy kind of person. But I've been watching along. I like some things somewhat. Uh, I don't like some things somewhat. I will say it's very rare along all of this that I've seen something and I just despise it. Um, Like can happen with plenty of other movies or plenty of other things. I think there is this kind of a standard a baseline level of competence, which maybe makes these films a lot more boring for people who like to dip their toe in. It's like, you're not going to get blown away. You're also not going to hate it. They're very uh, carefully mass produced. If that makes any sense, if that's not a complete contradiction, but then all of a sudden I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, I know who this villain is. Can we get like, I watched Loki and now we're at this point. So can we get on with it? Now I'm not going to get into any spoilers with the film, but, there are reasons why Kang may be spoken about in a way that's slightly disconnected. As in Kang in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. But I, I still think you've got to have a tighter handle on how is this serving the people watching everything? 
because you became so dominant that there are people like me watching it who aren't just the Marvel fans who are going to lap it all up. And if you're not serving those people and you are really playing for the broadest audience and you want, for example, Andrew Snyder to be like, you know what? Sure, I'm going to go and see this. You need to do a much better job of making people understand that they don't need every single detail from all these shows. And maybe the shows need to be detached and within their own world and with self-contained narratives that aren't going to encroach on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Because it's definitely one thing to have all the movies tie up together. It's another when, like they did at times last year, you're just going through a relentless spell of TV shows where one finishes and another starts. And one finishes and another starts on Disney+. Plus. Um, and I think if I asked you, if I was like, Andrew, name the MCU Disney Plus series. I mean, if you want, we could try it as an exercise to see how many you get. But I think it could be could be tough. All right. Uh, how many lifelines do I have? Do I have my phone a friend still? Is am I your friend? <laughs> Is that wow? It's gonna work. We're, it could be. We're... It could be problematic otherwise. We're gonna unpack that later. Um, should I just start rapid fire and 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 get as many as I can? Is that how we're gonna approach this? Just yeah, what have you got? Is essentially, I mean, I think there's some here that you either have forgotten about or may not even know about. Um, Wandavision, Loki, um, uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Hawkeye, yes. um, yeah. uh, the one. It's not the Eternals, but it's like the Eternals, and that it's the something. No, there's literally no other series of that. But that was a great try for the broadest possible range of answers you could have had. Um, are there more? <laughs> uh, she Hulk. She Hulk is one. She Hulk Attorney at Law to give it its full title. Um, right. what if the animated series is the other? Is the only uh, thing I haven't yeah. seen any of. Uh. The one that I felt confident that you were not going to have seen or remembered or anything was Miss Marvel. Yeah, I... I don't I know if you even know that The exists. discourse on that, yeah. Is it the discourse was people. The discourse was people didn't like it very much. That's Okay. Um, we could unpack for a whole lot of reasons. Was it because it was like a teenage girl of Indian descent? And that's right that, i do remember in, that in the same way that i think she hulk which a lot of people really hate it really hate it and i was like you know what i'm tipping my hat to she hulk because it's it's been like oh you're gonna give me money to make this thing and we can do whatever we want which is clearly what Mar marvel taught they could do um and that show did that and for that i'm like cool if these people are just you know gonna watch anything you make the show that's whatever you want it to be I think there's the an issue that, though uh, with all on. the wrong people hated. Yeah, which I do think is an increasingly common occurrence for literally world. most things. Well, uh, for most apparently. things too, but <laughs> um, yeah, in, in this world as well. I I I think there is a problem there with those. It's like, okay, how does all of that tie in? And there's a problem where I actually don't know how it ties in to what extent. A lot of things have happened in those shows where 
maybe they get paid off down the line or maybe some of the movies didn't work as well that were going to lead into them um i really don't know so currently scheduled marvel tv shows secret invasion uh which is was supposed to come out early this year i don't know if that's been pushed loki's to come out later this year um there's more what if coming there's an iron heart series coming there's an echo series coming there's agatha coven of chaos um which is the spin off of one division and there is daredevil born again which is taking the netflix daredevil series which was very good and um essentially just rebooting that within the disney universe I just, I don't, like, there's so much there that I don't have a handle on. So to, to expand upon this, probably two weeks ago, three weeks ago, three weeks ago, we'll say just before um, the new Ant-Man came out, word came along of what Marvel's plan was for the rest of the year. And you've got Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which is going to release on May 5th. Really the true big ticket thing they've got left, honestly, I would say, other than Spider-Man. And this is, I believe, the end of the road for it. I'm probably wrong on that, but it certainly will be in terms of James Gunn's involvement. The Marvels was supposed to be much earlier in the year. The Marvels directed by Nia DaCosta, who um, directed the, the Candyman remake a couple of years ago. That was pushed way back to November. And then everything else was dated 2024. Uh, and in fact, they don't have anything between November 10th and May 3rd, which is a long, long stretch. And it's been a while since there's been one of their TV shows. And that stretch is going to continue for a little bit. And She-Hulk premiered in August, I feel like. Um, so you're probably looking six, seven months before between TV series, which from a year where it was just, here's a movie, here's a movie, here's a movie, here's a TV series. Like, there is maybe some recognition that you can't do that, and that's possibly what's losing people. Um, but also, you've already done that, and you've already lost a lot of those people. It's showing in your box office taking. And this is a really, really slow machine. This is like that freighter ship that got blocked up, was it the Suez Canal, all those years ago? Uh, yes. You're not turning this thing around quickly. Like It takes so, so long to get all of these greenlit through pre-production, into production, it's a arduous process where you can't just be like now, oh, this is going wrong. We need to adjust fast. It's like, okay, we'll tell that to the six TV shows and eight movies that are somewhat in the works, if not a lot of them even already shot. The upshot of this, if we look at the 2022 box office, Will we play some more guessing games, Andrew? Let's do it. Twenty twenty two. Okay, let's let's start worldwide. You know what number one was worldwide? Avatar. 
Correct. I'm throwing away water grossed $2.2 billion. You know what number two was worldwide? I feel confident. Uh, Top Gun Maverick. Correct. Under Just under $1.5 billion. What do you think number three was? Hmm. Number three. Because of the larger conversation we're having, I'm assuming it's not going to be a Marvel movie, or it's going to be a Marvel movie with a significant drop-off between what Maverick made. Uh, I'll say there, Thor. There's a $487 million drop-off in two to three, so it's significant regardless of what it is. Sorry, did Thor, you guess Love there? And Thunder. Yeah, Thor, Love, and Thunder, final answer. No, Thor, Love, and Thunder made pretty much half of what Maverick made and was eight overall in the global box office. I kind of feel like this is going to stun you. Oh, Remember... uh, Elvis? No, God, that would be a nice surprise. Um, <laughs> Elvis was 16. They grossed $287 uh-huh. million. Dollars. Ah, well, nevertheless. <laughs> Jurassic World Dominion, Andrew. Forgot Truly that not a good... I don't know if any of the Jurassic World films have been good. This one was very bad. Grossed just over a billion dollars. You go to four until you get to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Didn't hit the billion mark. That's Doctor Strange, so with a recognizable star at this point, Benedict Cumberbatch. Um... The multiversal storytelling opening up a wide range of possibilities to get people hooked in. Doctor Strange coming off of the very close tie-ins to Spider-Man in their last truly big film. That still didn't hit a million. Or a billion. If it didn't hit a million, we'd be on a very different conversation. Number five was Minions, The Rise of Gru. So, one MCU film in the top five. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever at six. Thor, Love and Thunder at eight. Um, the only other film that is a superhero movie in the top 10 is a very, very different one, and that is The Batman, which was at number 7 with $770 million. I really do think there's a shift that's happened, and the shift is going to be amplified by Marvel, just kind of whether they've taken their foot off the gas or if they've slipped up and they're having to slow things down and try to parcel this out a little bit more carefully um my predictions for this year is one and two in some order are going to be the new mission impossible and the dune sequel um dune which did not do incredible business in part due to the very complicated hbo max stuff um but a film that i would not be surprised if when that sequel comes out it really hits in a big big way theatrically they're the two obvious ones off the top of my head, and I'm probably missing a bunch of other stuff that could honestly do quite well in filling up the top ten beyond that. Um, I don't know, even coming very Oppenheimer. Soon. Oppenheimer for sure, based on Nolan. I think that's a tougher sell, but it will do better than Tenet did in the middle of a pandemic. And if there's good word of mouth around that, who knows? Barbie coming out at the same time of that again, like that could be a real curiosity. I'm not expecting it to be a billion dollar movie, but could do very well. New John Wick's coming very soon. Like there's, there's a lot of stuff and 
it may be IP driven, but it is not Marvel. Guardians is probably the best chance for them to have a top 10 movie this year. I would imagine they should have that, if not a top five, based on the popularity of the first two films. But it really does seem like the the ground is shifting from under Marvel. And then to to be fair and to expand this beyond Marvel, part of my impetus for this conversation too was I was greeted by almost exclusively superhero trailers before I saw Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. <sighs> the non-Marvel stuff is just worse. It is so much worse. I I know we're about to go through a massive DC reinvention. Um, honestly, based on anything James Gunn has done recently, I am, could not be less interested. Just could not be further from the kind of vibe I'm interested in. Again, an interesting case where the Batman was the seventh most popular movie at the box office last year. I think it was very dark and it wasn't to everyone's taste. But I do think a lot of people liked it and liked it in a way where, oh, this gives me that thing, but it's also giving me something completely different that I haven't seen for a while. And harking back to something with Batman that feels a lot more true. The next people are going to see of that is going to be a Penguin series on HBO Max. Then, to my knowledge, unless I've missed something, that Batman is not going to be a part of the DC universe that James Gunn is building, so we're probably going to have concurrent Batman. Never a great idea, I would say. And we already have this, to some extent, with concurrent Jokers and that movie coming out this year actually that could be a if we're going to call that a superhero movie that could be one that will do better than any marvel film um i i just don't get this either and i i think it's one where let's say you're an audience member and you're like oh yeah i really like that batman can't wait to see what they do with that and then it's like oh wait they're not doing anything with that Instead, Michael Keaton played Batman again in a Batgirl film that has been shelved and will never see the light of day. And there are rumors that Michael Keaton will appear as that version of Batman again in some other film. And you're just, where do you get a grip on this? It's, And the problem is that these movies taught the audiences you've got to be invested in all of the details, all of the minutia. And as you were saying in kind of the Marvel problem for you. It's like, yeah, you've got to see it all. You've got to be on top of it all because it's all connected and it could all pay off. I said, what happens when you go the other direction? I don't think that's worked for DC up until now, and I'm not entirely confident it's going to work, even with James Gunn overseeing all of that. I don't know, Andrew. That's It's really where I'm coming down this. I don't think this is good. Um, there could be a part of me that really flippantly is like if these movies are less successful and there's fewer of them and there's more room for studios to take gambles in giving slightly bigger budgets to different kinds of movies I that's certainly the world I want to live in I think would be much more interesting I just I don't know if this system can sustain that and that's a problem <laughs> Uh, maybe this year just has enough that if that's the case, there can be this kind of reset. I'm even thinking now there's another Indiana Jones movie. Like there's there's basically as much IP as you could possibly have outside of 
Marvel and DC in a year that also doesn't have Star Wars or James Bond. Like everything else is nearly almost rolling out this year. Does that work? Is that enough? Do those movies rise again and people take an entirely different view of it? I don't know. I think part of the problem is still you're not making enough films to get people out to see something original just based on the premise of, oh, that's interesting. Like the fact that John Wick is a franchise that is going to gross meaningfully and the people are going to see now is great. I don't see where the next John Wick is coming from because people won't very easily take that risk or make that kind of movie. I'll reference our GSPN colleague and friend Jordan Tresky, who was was telling us the other day he wanted to go and see a movie. He was going to go to the cinema the weekend, and he looked at what was on, and he was just like, "Nope, not nope." By the way, the Jordan Peele film that was not on, he probably would have got to see that, but the options are just not there for a lot of people, and that's not the case for me because. I will go and seek out and I have the options where I live to seek out a wider and more diverse range of movies. That's not true of people in smaller towns and cities across the world where you may just have, oh, there's a five screen chain here. And if there's a big franchise movie out, that's what's going to dominate it. It's kind of, it's a problem of Hollywood's own creation. It's a problem of, all of the theater chain's own creation, but chickens might be coming home to roost, Andrew. Uh, yeah. It's it's difficult to completely predict whether there being some sort of vacuum in where funding goes if these Marvel movies stop being what they've been. And I think your big question is, does that put us in a world where uh, independent, or not necessarily independent, but original storytelling uh, becomes uh, back in vogue? Or is it fewer movies get made in general? And just an industry that's been in trouble isn't even more trouble. Trying to predict, predict that is tough. I don't want to live in the apocalyptic version of that scenario because I like having the options especially with you know even obviously you live in Dublin which is a like a a major world city I do not but I still live in an area where I've got my three independent theaters that I frequent that'll show me my uh, after sons of the world and then I've got the big AMC chain where I'll go watch Avatar and IMAX. That's what I've got. That, That's your, you're describing that, literally what I've got because I, I live in a capital, but it's a small country. And yeah, okay, fair. Uh, and the, well, I'll be the movie but you're, trucks. You're in the here, minority so. in, in America, though, too, I think, with that. Like, obviously, you don't live in New York or LA or Chicago, so you're not getting limited release stuff when, when that happens. You may not get it at all. And we've encountered that problem when we've tried to do podcasts before on certain films. It's like, when are they going to get to you? But I don't know. You also don't live in, I don't know, some town in Wyoming or whatever. Like, it, there's, there's levels to this. And what you have is very similar to what I have at my disposal. 
I could basically go to I think all but one to two cities outside of Dublin though, and I I'd lose that completely. It's like if I if I moved in Ireland, they'd be like, oh, forget it. You're not getting to see the kind of movies you'd like to see in cinemas anymore. You'll you'll be stuck with oh, there's a multiplex, and what are they showing? And what are the options you get out of that? Like that, I think that's most people's reality. And another aspect of that that's been troubling for me, and this is a completely off-topic thing, but I'll bring it up. Adam, the independent like cinemas that I go to take pride in the movie-going experience for people, and that comes with just the facilities, the cleanliness, the quality of the, the concessions even. And then some of the chains that have smaller chains that are beyond like disrepair in the area um are just falling apart uh and if that's all i've got to rely on i'm gonna not be a happy camper because i i really like the balance that's been struck in my movie going experience despite it being a challenging time although uh, even uh me and my brother uh i think this is a post-covid thing we used to love the morning movie like just it's 10 10 a.m. The theater's open. You got popcorn for breakfast. You see one thing, you either go home and have the whole day ahead of you, or you see another thing. I I remember being the week after Christmas, seeing La La Land at 9:45 in the morning for the second time, and then just absolutely being delight delighted. And then I I I can't remember what I ended up seeing, but I stayed and saw something else, which is something I wouldn't have the option to do. So it's just like we've started to see shaving off of you know showtimes or uh like a movie that might have gotten at least somewhat of a run in this type of theater won't get it at all now and just where does that end and where do we end up at is it is going to be as bleak or is it going to be the last of us movies adam is like that going to be our reality where we just see uh like hey uh honey that's where the carolina theater used to be it's a parking deck now that, that happens already that happens already did you did that whole thing was that completely were you being like sincere and genuine or were you trying to set me up for a rant here because i actually didn't think of any of that but you've, you've no hit, like i You've hit a lot of the issues. I know you know some of these that I've had recently with my multiplex chain. Um, yeah, and it, it's it's just like so. For example, yes, you're right. I, I'll I've no problem. I'll name a chain, Andrew. Uh, I am a, a Cineworld Unlimited card holder. I pay an annual fee. I can go see as many movies as I like. I have made out very well on that arrangement over many years. Um. Really, up until very recently, that cinema would open. It's a 17 screen cinema. One of those screens being IMAX would open at 9 to 10 a.m. every day and would close, I guess, somewhere shortly before midnight. And there's showings all day. There's not necessarily wall to wall. Not all 17 screens are going to be in action at 10 a.m. Um, but you would have a pretty healthy mix throughout the day. Um, Cineworld is owned by Regal. That I guess people who are even remotely interested in this will know of the financial troubles they're going through, and um, their battle with bankruptcy, talks of a sale, and so that squeeze is being carried over. And now, a lot of the time, my theater isn't up till one p.m. And for most people, they're probably like, "Oh, one p.m. That's fine." 
But it's like, no, it's not fine. <laughs> it's not fine because I have to work nights and the ability to be like, you know what? I'm going to go see a movie in the morning and then I'm going to go about my day as normal. That was good. And what I can also tell you is a lot of other people did that because you go to a 10 a.m. show and you're like, hmm, it's not sold out, but there's a pretty decent crowd here. Look, there's a whole variety of issues for that. Um, cost of living around the world born out of the conflict in Ukraine um, and what that has done to oil prices. Like, they are certainly effects, too, where I think buildings like this, like, I know that place, massive, massive space. Can't imagine it's cheap to, like, heat it and have your electricity costs and all of that, let alone staff it. But by just punting on that, all of a sudden, okay, they're like half the price. That's great. I'm not I'm not getting what I used to get out of it. You fewer staff. What does that mean? It means there's absolutely zero attention to detail. And when I say attention to detail, the movies aren't being projected right. I've had instances where stuff is in the wrong format, where it's just a really shitty experience, where the sound is terrible. And that really pisses me off as me. But the thing that I've always kind of had with that is, if what if I'm the person who comes out once every two or three months to go and see a movie? And I go to this place and the movie is spilling out onto the walls rather than being projected onto the screen. Am I gonna come back and do that again? Like this this thing is in risk of dying. You wanna do it right. You wanna get people out there. And time is precious. And when stuff like that happens, you know. I've been there and you're going to, oh, really sorry about that. You know, you can go to the next show. It's like, no, you can't. You know, I've got work, got a life. Uh, I, I think that's something that is concerning with chains, which is if the experience they're delivering isn't good. And again, that's what a lot of people only have access to. Or that's where the movies a lot of people want to see play. That's just, that's a real, real problem. I, I There's one other thing I'll add to this. I don't know. You probably haven't been to the movies as often post COVID as you were before COVID. Am I am I right in saying that? Yeah, probably just because I think the laziness sets in with how quickly things become available uh, for streaming. Okay, so that's one part of this. The other part is people do not know how to fucking behave in a cinema anymore or in any public space. Honestly, any public space. Um, if there was like even the slightest semblance of, you know, decency remaining, uh, I think just people being stuck at home or not getting to go to these places to remove it. Like, again, if it's that one time you're like, I really want to go and see this movie. That looks good. Let's make a night of it. And you know what? You're going to go to a place and by the time you get popcorns and drinks, it's like, it's a lot of money. And then you could have parking. You could have a babysitter. Like this, this all stacks up pretty quickly and then you could have like a group of kids who are talking non-stop and are on their phones and are laughing at things completely unrelated to the film it's like well great and that's where people are like you know what I prefer to stay at home and that's fine but the things you're going to get at home are going to be increasingly shit (laughs) if if they're not being made for the big screen if there's not that financial imperative you're going to be like hey why is everything why is everything like this anymore? What happened to the way movies used to be? Because we already talk like that, but it's only going to get worse. Um, 
which I guess probably brings us to a place where we can wrap up. But that 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 is kind of at the heart of why I do think this is interesting and why I think it's important. It's not necessarily a case of, oh well, you know, you've got to you've got to be locked in on Marvel movies because you know this is the dominant thing now and you're going to be out of the conversation. Nor would I tell anyone to go and see them, but this is what the industry has created is a reliance on these films, a reliance on superhero movies more generally. And some of these trends hold up, which I don't think is implausible. That's going to hurt in a whole lot more ways than I think people are ready for. That's going to hurt an industry that's kind of pretty much on its knees already. So, yeah. I guess fun, fun conversations to come, Andrew. It's a rare, rare pod for us where we don't have kind of a singular thing where we're unpacking the movie itself. What I will say, I said I get back to, uh, Jonathan Majors might be like the best actor working right now. He's really coming in hot. Creed, Tree, that's another movie that's come out where he's the villain. Um, What Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania does with what John Majors is giving them is honestly criminal. <laughs> I just don't know what we're doing here. Well, that's enough of that. Maybe someday you'll see it, Andrew. I highly doubt it, but maybe someday you'll see it and you'll know what it's like. But I don't blame you. I don't blame anyone else. Um, I think a lot of the people who just never bought in or were kind of lukewarm to begin with are now looking and being like, where are the movies I want to see? They're out there, but you're going to have a tougher time finding them unless you got some asshole like me being like, you need to watch all these movies, Andrew, and sending you a spreadsheet where they are and you know how you can watch them for the podcast that you do. I think it's it's going to be tough for a lot of people. Hey, I've been crunching tape again. I'm back in the flow of things. Uh, it's 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 not really spring spring training because we've got our best of the year and Oscar pods coming soon. It's more like September baseball, where you know I'm trying to make sure I'm in top form by the time the the calendar turns to October. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> I might see it at some point in my life. I don't think so. Unlo- the only time I really go to these movies is if a friend asks me. Uh, uh, enough times, and I'm just sick of saying no, and then I say yes, and then I go see it, and uh, that's that. But yeah, an an interesting conversation, and you know, I I did expect after the last podcast, maybe in the moment I didn't last week, or maybe I was just trying to project. I did expect that we were gonna get a full episode out of this conversation, and we did. So you know. I doubted you for for content purposes, but I I want you to know I did believe in you. No one who listens or has ever been in a podcast with me is going to doubt that I can get a full episode out of basically any movie topic. So yeah, never in doubt. We could go longer, but we won't. We've probably bored enough people as it is. Um, coming up on the pod, we'll have an episode next week. I'm trying to think. I guess that's probably we'd have one episode of the Last of Us left. I don't know. We'll work out what next week is. I can tell you what the week after that will be. It will be our Oscar preview and prediction pod. And the week after that will be our grand reveal of our favorite films of 2022. Um, But yeah, who knows? We might have other stuff on other topics between now and then as well. We'll see what comes up. 
to make sure you don't miss any of it, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Let's make time for this. You should also check us out on Repod. Um, you could do that by going to joinrepod.com forward slash make time for this. Repod is a platform that if you're looking for a new podcast player for yourself, you're looking for somewhere that keeps all your favorite podcasts in the one place, Repod will serve that function. Um, but more importantly, it lets you comment and share and discuss with, in our case, the hosts, but more broadly with other people who might be interested in your favorite podcast. So you can go to individual episodes you can leave comments, you can engage with them, you can go to shows, rooms, and you can get involved in talking about the shows there too. So join repod.com forward slash make time for this. That's where you can get us, that's where you can talk about our show. And that's pretty much it, Andrew. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam. <laughs>